It's Uncle Jim's World of Bonds. It's Wednesday afternoon. The US CPI inflation numbers have just come out. It's the 12th of May 2021. As always, for professional investors only and never investment advice. The word of today today is transitory, temporary, not persistent, tending to pass away. But we're going to start with news. I've just seen a tweet from the US Consumer Product Safety Commission. They've just literally tweeted out the words, do not fill plastic bags with gasoline. And this is in response to the pictures you're probably seeing now about people filling up the back of their cars with any pots and pans they can find, trying to fill, fill up their, uh, their garages with gasoline, petrol, as we run out in the United States. I mean, the oil price has gone above $65 a barrel. Um, we're at six and a half year high for gasoline prices on average now over three dollars a gallon and this is um, partly due to the colonial pipeline hack of the ransomware that's closed down the huge um, US gasoline pipeline and has meant that lots of places are simply running out of gas but it also is instructive to kind of look at this, the oil price rise together with everything else that's going up in price in commodity land and elsewhere and to comment on today's inflation numbers. So rather than give you the, the roundup tomorrow morning, I thought I'd do it this afternoon instead. So the numbers have just come out. Uh, we've had the Fed, Federal Reserve Vice Chair uh, Clarida just being quoted as saying, I was surprised this number was well above what I'd expected. Um, I'm confident, though, that what I didn't expect will be transitory. And that's the crux of the matter. That's uh, what we need to discuss and decide on whether this is it. Is this the big one, the breakout from three decades or more of falling inflation? Or, or is this just um, a response to the base effects, the fact we've come from a depression, uh, a growth drawdown, an unemployment collapse, um, that we've not seen since the Great Depression. You know, is this just the, the flip side of that coming back again? Or is this something that's realer? And uh, let, let's start by having a look at the numbers because on a core basis, this was, I think, the strongest month-on-month -month increase since 1981. Um, there are plenty of biggest since today in today's podcast because, uh, you know, on the, on the CPI headline, biggest rise since 2009. So for April, markets have been going for a CPI rise of 0.2. We got 0.8. On a core, we got 0.3. Sorry, we were after 0.3 and we got 0.9. And the year on numbers, um, as a result of that, for the headline of 4.2%, uh, which is, you know, numbers we've not seen for a very, very long time in markets. And on the core, 3%. And, you know, look back to when we last had core inflation of this kind of level, it was in the, the mid-1990s and US interest rates and UK interest rates were both above five rather than down towards zero as we are today. So looking at those numbers, I think, you know, the most important thing for me is to forget about the year-on-year -year numbers, really. Um, I think you can explain those away, even if we'd got the expected number of 02 month-on-month uh, -month for CPI, we'd still have been looking at a year-on-year -year inflation number of nearly 4% or 3.6%. 
So because of where we were a year ago in the, the depths of the coronavirus crisis, the base effects from any year-on-year number are going to be dramatic from here. Additionally, I think thinking about any economic numbers, you know, think back to last Friday, and we had one of the biggest economic forecasting misses by Wall Street economists probably in, in all of recorded history. One person on the street was going for 2 million jobs to be created, and the recorded number was 266,000, as we know. So I think that when we think about this CPI uh, overshoot this month um, we've got to think about things as well how has the cpi basket of things that we actually spend our money on changed over the past year is is this a relevant basket of goods still to be using are we able to collect the data for that basket of goods in a, a way that is robust when we think about the jobs number we have to think about the hugeness of that number and the impact of seasonal adjustments and things like that less significant for the CPI perhaps, but still lots of data quality and uh, significance issues around just the scale of what's gone on over the past year and and what that might mean for the statistics. But I think you you can't ignore the fact that on a core basis, we were going for 0.3 and we got nearly 1%, higher since, as I said, 1981. And we've been seeing the supply, the prices really move up the supply chain. So we saw and are still seeing copper prices, iron ore prices go through the roof. Lumber is obviously the big story in, in the States, wood prices. We saw those come through into the PPI, the producer price inflation numbers. We saw those price rises come through into the purchasing manager surveys um, that you know are really important, the ISM surveys in the United States on both the manufacturing and the service side of things. But um, so the inflation has been coming through the pipeline, uh, oil, food prices, food prices is important. You know, we, perhaps they triggered the Arab Spring, um, the rebellions, the social unrest that we saw uh, back in Tunisia that spread across the Middle East. All of these things are going up. We know that, including semiconductors and so forth. This is the first time we've seen them really feed through into consumer prices, and they've done so in a in an incredibly uh, robust way. I think the other thing to note is that the dog that isn't yet barking is on what's called owner's equivalent rent. So. I think that um, you know a significant part of people's inflation basket is on rent and housing costs. And in the United States, the, the big measure that goes into the CPI is called the OER, the owner's equivalent rent, where uh, they ask people how much they think it would cost them to rent their own house. And from what we're seeing in rental markets, you would have expected that OER number to be going up and it hasn't really uh, yet started to go up. So maybe there's a bit of a lag there and we're going to get a bit more of that coming through. Having said that, that's the kind of negative story for inflation and the fact that this may not be transitory. On the more transitory basis, we mentioned secondhand cars, you know, secondhand car prices up 20% year to date in the United States. And, you know, there are good reasons for that, including demand-led uh, inflation because people have money in their pockets that they've saved up if they've been furloughed or if they've had unemployment benefits that are higher than normal or if they're just wealthy and um, are looking to you know spend some of their savings that have not been able to spend on going out. But secondhand car prices resulted in around about a third of that rise, that 0.9% core rise. 
So 0.3 of that was secondhand car prices. And I think it's unlikely that secondhand car prices continue to rise at uh, 20% every three months um, for the rest of the year. So things like that will start dropping out of the number. Other things to note from the statistics, um, that was a significant portion of it, but medical goods, I was reading a broken note here, recreation, educational goods, all were up. So overall core goods inflation was up uh, by 2% on the month. And then services also on the kind of more COVID-related leisure, hospitality, travel also up as well. So uh, what's that done to bond markets this afternoon? Not as much as you might have imagined, but as the afternoon's progressing, uh, we're seeing a bit more red on the board from uh, the prices of government bonds. The, sh- the front end isn't moving, and that kind of implies that people still believe that the Fed is on course to ignore and look through this and you know the Clarida comments about transitory impacts are are real so look at two-year government bonds in the United States they're at 17 basis points that's only a one basis point rise on the day despite um, you know this uh, 4.2 percent inflation number um, when you get further out the curve to five and ten years we're up at five basis point sell-off and 10-year bonds are 1.68%. That's a six basis point sell-off. Still not up at the highs of one and three quarters that we saw um, a few weeks ago, but you know certainly it's been a, um, a day that bonds initially weren't too moved, but have started to deteriorate as the afternoon has progressed. And that's true of global bond markets uh, as well. The other movement, of course, that you're seeing is demand for tips, treasury, inflation-protected securities. Uh, where the break-even inflation rate, that's the market's expectation, uh, it's really the difference in, in yield between the inflation-linked bond and the nominal bond, which is some measure of um, inflation expectations. That's now the highest it's been uh, for 16 years, since 2005. So we're currently at 2.78%. Uh, not, not a dramatic rise in inflation expectations, but certainly um, you know, the market is beginning to believe that the Fed won't do anything it will tolerate these higher levels of inflation certainly for the next couple of years Um, we don't know what happens after that other market moves today well risk assets are selling off somewhat and the dollar is having uh, you know a dollar index is up about 0.6 percent on the afternoon that's all for today Um, i might speak to you later this week if not have a good one bye